Now, Brenda's going to read the Gospel in a moment, but we're going to be thinking about seeing what we see, how we see. And therefore, I just thought you may like, uh, many of you will want to follow the passage in the Bible, which is from John, uh, and I completely am with you with that. However, others of you may want to just close your eyes because you are in a hot land. You can feel the morning growing warmer. It's still slightly gloomy, but you've got up early in the morning. You're full of grief. You're full of misunderstanding. You're full of anxiety. But there's something that you feel you have to do. And just as the warmth of the day begins to break and the light comes over the land, the dust is in your nostrils, the spicy food from the night before as you walk through the streets. Just close your eyes and listen to the words unfold before us and consider yourself there with the other women. The reading is taken from John, chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. 
she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, she told them. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, as we draw close to you again now, around your word, we ask that you would open our hearts, open our eyes and minds to see and understand as they did on that first Sunday that you are a risen conquering victorious Lord Amen Well today we are going on a journey we've uh, as a family we've or at least three of us we've been on a journey over the last two or three days we've been looking at um, the BBC version of the Passion uh, and we, it was over four episodes, I think, but we, we saw uh, that, that over the last few days. So in my mind, I have this sort of image of, uh, of roughly what went on. And uh, it, the parts of it were very interesting, actually. The confusion of the disciples, their misunderstanding or lack of understanding, uh, was, was really quite evident during that portrayal. Some of this uh, w- was quite close to the text. Other bits were somewhat more fabricated. Uh, but it was a really interesting um, programme to watch. And today we're going on a journey. It is a huge journey. But it's only a very short distance. About a foot. So if we can move a foot today, I'd be delighted. You will have read this passage and you'll have thought about it time and time again. It's one of those, I mean, it's obviously around the passion is the key story in our Bible. And for me, I think I've said to you before, it includes the most important word for me in the whole Bible. And it's not Jesus, as I've said before. But what struck me when I started reading this, uh, and I read it several times, is that phrase, seeing is believing. And there's a lot of seeing that goes on in this passage. You may want to turn to it, it's 1089 uh, in the Bibles you have there in the pew. John chapter 20, verse 1. Mary sees that the stone has been rolled away from the entrance to the tomb. Then John arrives, he bends over and he sees the strips of linen, verse 5. Peter, of course, then arrives, charges straight in and sees the linen 
uh, strips for himself in verse 6. John then enters the tomb in verse 8. He sees for himself. They, dis- uh, they uh, scarper. Uh, Mary, left, waiting at the tomb, verse 12, sees two angels. They ask her why she's crying and the answer she gives is, well, I've come to see someone to see my Lord, verse 13. Then a voice behind her calls out. She turns and she sees the man, verse 14. And he asks, who is it you're looking for? Who have you come to see? And in verse 18, she rushes to the other disciples and proclaims, I have seen the Lord. So all of this sort of visual uh, uh, excitement and uh, the the adjectives in my mind are are not worthy really and the the verbs of the doing, all of this activity and the excitement and the confusion of it all. It's so difficult to get our heads around what it would have been like at the time. They've heard all that Jesus has said but they have not understanding. So confusing. Is it any wonder that it was confusing? The tomb has been sealed by a heavy stone. There were guards placed outside of it to prevent robbery and in this particular case, stealing of a body. Robbery was not uh, uncommon actually, either for the body itself to perform rituals upon it Uh, or for the the value of the the goods that had been buried with that person. Uh, I think anyone that would have known Jesus would have known that he lived in near poverty. So, uh, you wouldn't have been uh, robbing the tomb for what you'd have got away with. Uh, And actually, why tackle the guards when there would have been easier uh, targets on hand? So, when the women arrive, they're shocked obviously shocked to find the tomb abandoned. Peter and John run to the tomb, uh, John getting there first, but perhaps out of shock himself or respect, he doesn't go in. Peter, of course, man of action, he ploughs on and he sees the burial cloth still in place. Another reason for me, which is why the body probably wasn't stolen, Why would you steal a body and unwrap it first? You'd just take it. So all of that doesn't really make sense. So there's this body, gone, but the cloths are there. What does the evidence suggest? And then we get the first sign of this movement of a foot. Just a few inches at first, John goes into the tomb, he sees and believes. This is the first link between the evidence we have and coming to belief. And the disciples return to the others and Mary is left behind. She sees the angels and she's asked a question and her answer still suggests that she wants to perform to Jesus exactly what she had intended in the first place, which was to go and uh, prepare that, bur- uh, that body for proper burial with spices and ointments and, uh, uh, and more dressings. 
But a voice behind her then asks the same question, but adding that phrase, who are you looking for? The response, in understandable confusion, is that she's looking for Jesus. And then, for me, the most remarkable word in the whole Bible. Mary. Just that. That one word. Mary. She had seen him, but she didn't understand She was looking with her eyes, but she did not see. Then her ears heard her voice, and she understood. So what do we see in this passage? And the fascinating part for me, actually, is the the variety of ways that we see. They were all looking for him in their own way, but they didn't understand. And something that we came across in Cafe Church last Sunday was that passage from Isaiah 53. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. God is working here on a completely different plane. He is so far above our understanding. This is not what we would have expected You see, the disciples and the women, they see all the evidence, but they hadn't yet at that time put two and two together. Or or had they? See, the first thing I think we need to notice in this, this evidence itself about the people that saw, is exactly that. They saw with their eyes. And if you want to believe someone, if you want to believe a story the more witnesses you have, the better. So this is really important, that it is attested by many. We have reassurance of the number of people. The same goes for the disciples on the first day of the week and again for Thomas a week later. All of the disciples saw for themselves that Jesus had risen from the dead. And going back to our passage here, verse 8, where John finally goes into the tomb. He goes inside, he saw and believed. For him, this was that morse or Poirot moment. He had all the evidence in front of him. And suddenly it dawned on him. That's what he meant. That's what he said. He was never going to be here. At least he understood in part. Because then obviously he goes away and he reflects upon all the scriptures and all the pieces of the puzzle fall into place. But he saw with his eyes the evidence that he was looking for. And then Mary, outside, as we've said, heard with her ears and understood. She realised then that it was Jesus standing before her. Now, we could have done an experiment, actually, and we could have played a podcast of uh, a previous sermon 
And I don't doubt that I could have probably played two words, three words, and you would have known that it was Debbie speaking. Because you know her voice. If in a quiet house someone calls up to you and they call your name, you know who's speaking to you because you know their voice. And Mary knew the voice of her Lord. That's why to me, that simple word, Mary, means that, yes, it's Jesus. Yes, he had been dead. Yes, he was risen. Yes, everything that he said he was, he is therefore proving. That is why for me, that single word, Mary, encompasses the whole of our Bible. I also like the fact that Mary holds on to Jesus probably holds on to his feet. In other translations, it actually says clings, which I think is an even better expression, don't you? Because Mary clings to Jesus, as if to say, right, I found you now, you're not going again. I'm not going to let go anymore. And he says, you've got to let me go. I'm not yet risen. Because when I rise, I can be with you every single day every moment of every single day. And again, in this BBC adaptation last night, there was a a discourse at the end between, I think it was Peter and Jesus, uh, and Peter said, don't leave us. Uh, And Jesus turns and said, but I must go, so that I can be with you all the time. Which is a fantastic understanding. I must go so that I can be with you all the time. And this is really important to John, this whole visual experience. Seeing is believing. Because right at the beginning, well, not at the beginning, chapter 9, verse 39, uh, John says, For judgment I have come into the world. This is Jesus speaking. For judgment I've come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will be blind. So in other words, all those people that thought they were enlightened but don't believe me will not see the truth. But those who have an open heart and an open mind will see me and believe. And then again, in the chapter that we've been looking at, uh, chapter 20 and verse 29, just slightly beyond where we were, Uh, He's talking to Thomas. And Jesus said to him, Because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So the key to seeing is not necessarily our eyes, but our heart. And that's the distance of about a foot. From our head to our heart. That is the vast journey that we need to make this morning. It's not far, but as a concept, it's huge. 
We understand the truth with our head, but we understand its meaning in our heart. So what do we see in this passage this morning? Do we see a good story full of holes and question marks? Or do we see the saviour of the world, God himself, redeeming mankind to that relationship with God, his Father. They are the two alternatives. There are only two. You either believe or you think it's fabrication. Because historically, it's true. How far this Easter week have we travelled? It is a story in our head or is it salvation in our heart? Because the risen Lord Jesus stands before us and he says your name. So Wendy, Malcolm, John, Colin, Joy, Henry, Lizzie, Jesus Christ speaks to each one of us personally. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you fill our hearts with joy. It could be the joy of weeping, the joy of tears. Or the joy of laughter that we found you. When we thought all was lost, you came and found us and you called us by name. Thank you, Lord, that we can see you. We can see you with our eyes, our ears, our taste, smell, our heart. Draw us once more to yourself that we may give our lives to you as you gave your life for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, from our hearts. Amen.